This episode is brought to you by Ravenheart Forge. Knives that both slice and dice. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Blades for Days, where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting, martial arts and Shasta Vidya. Joining me today is Shasta Vidya instructor, Asante Lola. How's it going? Yeah, um, pretty good. Christmas, New Year, got that out of the way. That was, uh, that was great. I had like different emails from my friends and some of them were like, ah, oh, I'm really sad and lonely over Christmas and New Year. And then like, yeah. I had other emails from my friends going, this is great because I fucking hate my family. So I'm having the time <laughs> of my life. Yeah, that's always a classic one. Uh, I'd, luckily, I'm staying at my mum's at the moment, so I got to spend a bit of time with family. But it was it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Is that like a traditional Christmas New Year for you? Um, Christmas New Year's usually I'm out, but obviously everything's locked down, so yeah, is always- that's fair enough. I was um. I was hanging with, so normally um, I get together with some friends of mine. We've got this like New Year tradition. We all get together. Um, we hang out. My uh, friend of mine works at an outdoor pursuit place or like, um, yeah, outdoor leisure area, you know. So you get kids from the city and they'll come out to these areas and they'll learn things like archery, um, oh. hang out in the, you know, you got uh, kids who've never seen a tree before. Um, coming along and hanging out in uh, <laughs> like wooded areas and stuff like that, and um, yeah. yeah, we um, we spend New Year's there normally, and uh, we'll do things like I I put together like a like a zombie run thing, so we, it's like yeah. a giant game of tag, but we're just chasing after each other uh, in the woods, and um, pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it was great. I like I got I'm, I'm really. really what's that? Sorry. I'm really basic. We literally just go out, maybe get a few drinks, and like that's about it. <laughs> I feel like I've been missing New Year's my whole life. I didn't realize we're supposed to have like real fun, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, real bonding experiences. <laughs> yeah, that's where it was supposed to be. That's crazy. Because, <laughs> um, like, you you live in London, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. live in South uh, London. Yeah. Um... I think if you're like running around pretending to be a zombie in London, though, you probably just get a shot. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. In fact, <laughs> one time I live like kind of on the outskirts of Brom- of uh, London, Bromley. I don't know if you heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had friends come round to mine. I'm literally five minutes from like Lewisham, ten minutes from Lewisham, centre of London, like centre zone two. And he was like, "Whoa, dude, you're taking us to the countryside." It's like, <laughs> it's like and stuff there. I was like, "Dude, I'm like ten minutes from zone two. What are you talking about?" <laughs> he was like, that's that's how London we are down here. So it's like, yeah, yeah I can't see anything like that. Yeah, no, that's um, I, the, I haven't been to London. I went to London two thousand nineteen, um, and uh, I went to see um, to spar with some guys there, uh, and I was staying with a friend of mine, Jonathan Middleton, who lives on a like a houseboat, or he did. I think he's like moved off of it now. Um, so he's on like a, like a, uh, what are they called? I'm not sure. I know what you're talking about. But yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so he's, he's, uh, he was living on one of those and that was really, 
What's that, sorry? Talking about Jay. Uh, well, I call him Jonathan Middleton. You might know him as Jay. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. know him as well. All right, fair enough. Um, so yeah, uh, hanging out on the houseboat, and I'm like, so how come you live on a houseboat? And he's like, oh, the rent's super cheap. You know, I'm not technically part of the city, so um, I think he just enjoyed the idea of being a pirate, you know, in London. So. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So uh, yeah, like New Year for me was, um, like I said, I hung out with friends, and then next day just binged Cobra Kai season three. Um, <sighs> Got around to it yet, you know? You haven't. Oh, I was going to talk to you about it. We're talking about season two, but I haven't got around to number three yet, man. I've been yeah, kind of saved when I sit down and, and properly digest it because I've been working on some online, I'm doing some like online classes soon, and I've been trying to put a bunch of content together and stuff because, uh, yeah, teaching martial arts remotely, it's kind of weird. It's a weird one, and you have to really think about it. Whereas, yeah. you know, in classes, kind of lesson, and you know there's going to be questions and you can try stuff out this thing i'm trying to do it a little bit more you know structured for an online uh, class yeah so it's a uh, pain it's a real pain yeah, but yeah i'm gonna get get around to those cobra kai uh, yeah <laughs> I like i i don't want to color your like idea of it or, or anything like that i um i don't know how i feel about season three it, it's it's good and they're like i enjoyed it it's fun um but it's not I don't know, like the, the first and second season, I would like they really hit that sweet spot for me, you know? Um, Between like the eighties and kind of know they're cheesy, but do it in a way that's like entertaining type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of self-aware, you know, taking the piss out of the eighties kind of thing. And uh like I just I don't like because you know, Johnny's just a completely unbelievable character. Um, yeah. it's more like they took him out of cryostasis, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <it> just <laughs> hasn't developed at all. Uh, yeah, so, um, sometimes, man. I mean, I, I, it's possible because it's an AE style thing, but some of the lines, I'm like, man, did someone write that? <laughs> what do you mean, man? Say something like that. What are you trying to do, man? Really, like, AE's line every time he gets like angry, and I'm like, bro. You gotta stop that. <laughs> yeah. it, works. it works in the, in the context. Yeah, um, I think yeah, and and that's it. It's like, see, yeah, season three is just kind of, I guess, you know, again, without giving any spoilers, um, it's just more of the same, and that's fine. You know, that's that that's absolutely fine. Um, but it feels like they're, you know they're, they're getting to a point that they already sort of reached in the first two seasons um, yeah. for me but uh again and and the funny thing is that you've got like um uh i was about to say danny devito but not danny danny larusso <laughs> you got danny larusso and uh i mean that'd be that'd be a pretty entertaining show actually watching danny yeah, devito fighting <laughs> or like in as the guy from a uh, uh, brotherhood, is it called the you know the gangster film? Yeah, is it, brother- is it what am I thinking of? Well, the I was thinking that, twins. Only, like, I'm funny, funny like how funny? Yeah, like, funny yeah. Like- <laughs> that's um, oh, that's uh, that's oh, no, 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 that's uh, Jim, Jim Pesci, no, not Pesci, something. Oh, of course, yeah. that's Joe Pesci, Joe, Joe Pesci. Pesci, that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, sorry. No, 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 yeah. 
I mean, actually, yeah, that would be a great film. So Joe Pesci and Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. <laughs> and they're fighting for the soul of West Valley. Um, yeah, so like, because you've got a lot of, you know, you've got um, uh, Danny LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence and they're, it, you know, they get into a lot of uh, sort of, there are fight scenes that involve them a lot. And then you've got the guy who plays uh, John Kreese. And I'm like, these, these dudes are, these dudes are kind of old. Like, you know, they, they move well for, you know, for, but they're like, you you see the kids moving and they're obviously very light and energetic and you, you see the older guys fighting and they're just like, ah, uh, I don't, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. But one thing I do think they've done well though is like, it's almost like the choreography is done in a way where it's like stage combat. So it's like, mm. they don't move well, but it's choreographed in a way where you don't necessarily have to move amazingly and it's, st it's still kind of engaging. Yeah. So, you know, the one of the worst things is when you get like these shows. I think like um, was it Iron Fist was a bit like that, where yeah. some of the fight very high caliber, but him as a stunt man just wasn't really some of the scenes. And it was like if you're gonna pull off moves like that, it has to look really clean. Whereas this is like it's kind of messy. It's kind of like gets the job done, but it's fun to watch. Like yeah, yeah. No, I get that. <laughs> and, um, the thing about the the guy who plays the Iron Fist as well, I forget his name, um, but he. Uh, he had like two weeks of training. Um, Is that it? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't his fault. They basically said, okay, we're going to cast you. And he was like, yeah, cool. And they said, yeah, we're, we're going to start filming in two weeks. So he had like two weeks of, of uh, I, I don't know what um, martial arts training he did, but he had two weeks of training. So he's fighting against these guys who, you know, they're, they're stuntmen, they're martial artists. Um, they've been doing it for, you know, like a long time and it's it's the case of anything whenever you see somebody who's quite new fighting somebody who's quite advanced i i find that they both end up looking a little bit awkward you know yeah, yeah. It's um, like even the right cues one of them's not giving the right cues and it just doesn't doesn't gel well yeah I mean, you see, have you watched boyka michael j white oh i love michael j white yeah michael j white and the other guy oh, i'm forgetting his name uh he done like a lot of the stunts for Deadpool. Mm. He's done some American star movies where he's like, like Universal Soldier type thing. I know. Oh, damn it! I was actually watching a video of his recently. I know who you mean. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not doing it. well with names today. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. I'm messing up uh, Danny DeVito. I'm gonna find him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to find like Scott Adkins. That's it. Scott Adkins. Scott Adkins. Yes. Yeah probably one of the best like in the industry but when him and uh, michael j white go together because they're obviously extremely experienced even though it's still you know movie uh, choreography and all of that type of thing it just looks really nice the tight the connections the movements the cues everything just just flows really well but then yeah. when he goes other guys which are obviously still stuntmen but not of that caliber it's very obvious like oh okay these guys are kind of less uh, skillful in terms of just acting and like you know playing the part and making it look real so it's um yeah it's one of them <laughs> but you gotta watch yeah. it if you haven't boycott it's a wicked film is wicked it film. do they go to is that the one where they go to prison uh it's like a fight yeah. in a prison i think i have seen it i just forgot the name of it yeah so i think i'm not sure how well it's known but it's one of films um adkins i mm. think I'm not like a huge fan but I know when you speak about Scott Adkins a lot of the time, people bring up Boycott because it's like, yeah, horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I quite enjoyed that because uh, Melissa, my wife, and I, um, we 
went through like a Michael J. White phase where we were just watching anything and everything with him in. So we we're watching like Never Back Down Two, Never Back yeah. Down Three, which are not great. Like they're you know they're they're fine. Um, but we we watched um, Blood and Bone. I don't know if you've seen that. That's the one where he goes to prison. Is that when he goes to prison? Yeah, he goes. To prison. Yeah, he goes to prison and then he gets out of prison and. and Kim- yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he's just, it's just a good film. He's just kicking ass, you know? Um, and again... The thing, they, don't, they don't necessarily have to be... The story doesn't have to be amazing. I mean, I, I love like old-school kung fu movies, and half of the stories in those films are trash. But, yeah. but the build-up, it's like pantomime, but we're fighting. Like It's like cheesy, there's loads of like funny lines and stuff, but the fighting, you know, really sells it if it's put together well. Yeah. For me. Oh, absolutely. Um, Because it, you know, it's funny if you watch like dance films um, and it's pretty much exactly the same premise, you know, uh, where they're having like these dance offs, but like, you know, um, shifting it like you could you could overlay it. Um, You know, you could probably do like a mashup of something like, I don't know, dance films very well. Um, I've got a friend. What's that? Sorry. You got serves? Yeah. No. Sure. No, I, just, <laughs> I, I don't know dance films very well. Melissa does, um, like, more so than me anyway. Uh, but, like, that's probably why I can't dance all that well. I just, like, I, I, like if you ever yeah. see any kind of, like, videos of me dancing, it's just horrific. Uh, oh. And I was... Uh, um, I was talking to my brother-in-law because he's like, "But you know, you're a swordsman. How can you be so uncoordinated?" I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> you shouldn't really be able to dance. It's kind of like a, a pre-requirement, but pre-requisite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I just. Uh, I think because growing up, uh, like I grew up in the valleys, and dancing pretty much consisted Wales. of. What's that? Sorry. It was Wales or? Yeah, yeah, Valley Valley. Well, sorry, I should have clarified. The uh, the Welsh Valleys, the Southern Welsh Valleys, like Rhonda Valleys. Um, and the prerequisite for dancing there was like, I would I would be stood on the dance floor holding, you know, a pint or two. Um, and the girl I was with would be dancing around me. So like, I didn't have to do anything. I just, uh, you know, I would nod to somebody else on the dance floor and that was it. So I don't, I kind of didn't learn. <laughs> Okay, it's one of them. one of them. Yeah, I remember I remember being in school, and I don't know dancing was never really a thing to me for ages. And I think it wasn't until I watched a dance film, you got served. Because my sisters used to do dance and stuff, and you know they're doing the body popping and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what, I gotta learn this stuff, man. But then I put serious time into trying to learn how to do it, and we'd have dance battles at schools and and like the rest is history type thing. But I haven't done dance in a long time, but I did used to be really into it at one point. Yeah, and that was me. <laughs> funnily enough yeah and i went into boxing you know my teacher was like oh yeah the dancing stuff is like it's good for your boxing and whatnot you should keep it up keeps you because i used to do like handstand stuff and all that type of stuff he was like nice no, good workout keep it up mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy yeah i mean so since lockdown what i've really gotten into is uh yoga and uh, like and I didn't kind of give it the time of day before. I was like, yeah, okay, it's it's just stretching, you know? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do that all the time. I do it before a workout kind of thing. Um, 
But I started doing like a lot of yoga throughout lockdown. I did one yesterday and I was like, I was genuinely trembling and like, yeah, like yeah. it was like a, a, a core workout kind of thing. I'm trembling, my stomach's on fire, you know, I'm sweating buckets. I was like, this is really hard actually. <laughs> I was like, you know. It's amazing. So, I mean, I've been yoga. I mean, obviously yoga is a part of the art that I study. But I've always I've done it because I have to do it as part of the warm ups and stuff like that. But I've never really got into it properly, properly, apart from the last couple of years. Mm. And um, I think we went to Germany with my teacher for like a teacher's training course. And he made us do one where it was it was stretching. So this was less like core work or anything like that. This one was more about stretching, but holding the stretches um, to learn how to build awareness of certain muscles and stuff. But even that alone, just the stretching by itself, I was like, how am I sweating? But I'm not. <laughs> like physically that difficult but like everyone in the room was sweating and it was crazy but then moving on like into the actual martial arts element element of um just being aware of certain muscles and how they're playing a part in certain movements and training certain uh movement patterns through yoga i just find it crazy interesting man because when, when yeah. i was in college, you know this is how to do it i'll give you some pointers as you practice it but we're not really going to care too much about you know precisely where you're activating from or what limb moves first or what part of the body shifts whereas yeah through the through the sanjim kriya the yoga that we do it's like super specific and it's all about learning how to move the right part at the right time and activate from here and relax this and don't tense this and it's it's crazy it's crazy how much like power difference you get when you get things right yeah and from my background is engineering and stuff and just from like an engineering perspective i'm like man who knew the body was i mean everyone knows the body's so complicated but who knew you could get that much out of it just from learning how to do all these small adjustments to things because before it was just push-ups sit-ups squats burpees now it's like a sit-up but it has to be done in a very specific way or it's going to feel terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah but, uh, so let's um let's actually talk about because that's a good segue into um the martial arts that you well that i know you for um which is uh shasta video is that how do you say yes. it that's that's right. No, no, okay. just a bit. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, um, tell me about it. Yeah, so uh, Shasta Vidya is a traditional Indian martial art, and the term Shasta Vidya isn't really like a name. It's more like an area of study. Shasta means weapon. Vidya means like knowledge or science or uh, academia type thing, and uh, it's basically been compiled from scholars and stuff like back in the day a place called Tuxilla, where they went around and learned how different people fought, learned different weapons, different underfoot conditions, and just compiled it all together and said, okay, let's build a system out of this based on strategy, like what footwork works well, when, what weapons work well with certain strategies, what, you know, swords and shields and stuff work well together. And you basically learn a system of strategies that counter each other. So if you come against someone, you should be able to quickly work out, okay, this guy's taking a narrow stance. He's adopted footwork that looks a bit bouncy. The best weapon to take him on is this, or the best way to approach him is this. And then we do it that way around, uh, rather than from the sort of skill first strategy after type of thing, which was yeah. uh, just really eye-opening for me because I came from like a boxing world where it's all about be strong, be fast, be skillful. Strategy is what you learn in the ring, but you have to have those like previous elements first. Mm. And uh, the point that kind of tipped me into like, okay, I need to study this more seriously was when I went to a seminar and um, he said that he asked people, what do you think is more important? Is it skills or is it strategy? Is it hype? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, okay, does anyone here think, you know, skills is more important 
and most people put their hands up and he was all right let's get someone skillful out he's done martial arts for 10 years and a couple of us put our hands up he pulled me out and he's like okay this guy is very skillful 10 years what you done boxing blah 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 then he's like all right let's see how much beginners he can take on by himself then he brought out two three four five six and i was still pretty much doing okay and he was like okay see here you can see the skill is like you know taking precedence then he took two people aside gave them a little talk brought them back and all he told these guys to do was run at me like side to side and then as they get close cover up grab an arm each and step on a foot and i was like completely immobilized <laughs> i was like yes because once they done that and kind of stepped sideways a little bit i had to like pick between one or two because it's like you know they're side to side mm. and bit second because they're moving at quite a speed I couldn't do anything in that time and then he took me out they took me out and I was like ah so this is what he's talking about and then he spent the whole day talking about how Shasta video is about learning how to do that in terms of like you're on a battlefield you run up to your opponent you can't really see a lot what's happening you're not relying on your reflexes or your, your ability to pull off skills you're relying on your ability to judge what's happening and very quickly make a decision based on like timing essentially and once you've got that right then you add your skills on top of it that allow you to pull off like slightly more um, clever tricks and tactics and stuff that require a little bit more skill. But it's, uh, yeah, from that moment, I was just like, yeah, this is me. I need to learn this stuff. <laughs> yeah. There was a few of them like that as well, but that one was the one that was kind of like the turning point because that was a problem I was having just in my own training in that I was going around to different martial arts and learning different stuff. But I was like, ultimately, if you're a really good Thai boxer or a decent boxer, all these different skills don't really matter. Mm. like uh, in you know real fighting context but when it comes to weapons all of a sudden it's like oh no like skills are irrelevant we need strategy we need is this axe going to work well against that shield is this sword fighting style going to work well in skirmishes versus battle formations blah 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 but yeah i could talk on that for hours <laughs> i'll let you i'll let you interject no no no. I, th I think that's ace and i think it's like really interesting to kind of bring in like that context as well that context of like yeah that works here but it doesn't work there you know that you know what what you're doing bouncing around or jumping around that's cool but try doing that on like a on a wet surface try doing that yeah. you know if, if there's like a couple of guys around you um and i think that's one of the uh one of the things that i tried to bring in to um the, the classes that i teach is uh some of the stuff that i learned in krav maga because yeah similar to you it's like um you know i've done a lot of different martial arts and it's like you know it, it's kind of like a bag of tricks it's like if this person is doing this then you can do this and it's like yeah okay cool but when do i apply it you know what i mean like why would they be doing that the the whole thing of like you're wearing a gi and somebody comes up and grabs your gi and i'm like i nobody has ever grabbed me like in this Not particular way, yeah. Um, yeah. I usually just get, kind of, yeah, yeah, precisely yeah, yeah. holding me, you know, wagging their finger at me, going, "You get your damn hands off her," or whatever kind of thing. Um, so I was just like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, nah, it's never kind of, you know, that that hasn't worked for me. So um, uh, doing Krav Maga and the fact that they're giving you context and again giving you that sort of like tactical overview and going, okay, so when you do this um go into full mount so that you can look over your shoulders and you can see who's coming at you from behind there might not be anybody but you know uh, it gives you the opportunity to look for exits it gives you the opportunity to uh you know to to look for yeah. you know. the, basic any decent strategy like you know talking engineering talking anything you've got to like account for the worst whereas what yeah. i was finding 
traditional arts I was coming across, it was like, yeah, if this precise scenario happens, you have this precise response and you have to do it perfectly. And if you get it wrong, there's a good chance that things are going to go sideways very quickly. And I'm like, from a planning perspective, that's quite high risk. <laughs> like, <laughs> very well thought out. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, because I'd never, like you said, I've never, I never really thought about slippery surfaces, more than one opponent. How much space have we actually got to fight in? I mean, apart from when I've done Wing Chun for like, I've done that for about four years, hmm. where we spoke about that. But generally, it was more just, yeah, bag, of, learn your bag of tricks, master them, master them until they're reflex. And then I came to Shasta Video, and it was basically like, reflexes don't mean anything on a battlefield because you've got sun in your eyes, you've got multiple weapons, and I don't know if you've ever like sparred with swords like in dim light, but it's a uh, it's like nearly impossible to see the sword coming. Like you have to, or with us at least, we have to like run up to them and you have to know how fast you're moving and how far away they are. And you say, okay, when I get to about here, he has to swing. Otherwise something's going to happen. And then I have to make a calculation and say, his hand's up here somewhere. I've got to be somewhere over there. And, it's, and basically our systems teach you what decision to make in a, in a split second. And most fights would only last, we say one and a half strikes. And they say, whatever, whoever gets the half strike wins. So it's like, mm. I've got one strike, you've got one, sorry, two and a half strikes. I've got one strike, he's got one strike. And whoever gets that half strike typically be, uh, wins the fight. And then you move on to someone else, which was, a, yeah, it's just a, like, a really different way of thinking about combat. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I but, love stuff like that. I think, because um, <clears throat> before I got into historical European martial arts, I did um, uh, historical reenactment. And I still do it. But it means, like, there are times when you're fighting out you know you're fighting outside and it's raining or you know there there are like branches about the place if you're fighting in the woods um and yeah you know it starts getting dark and stuff like that and um one thing especially since then taking that into hema is when you put a mask on a fencing mask it's so much darker you know, you're like, yeah, we've still got plenty of light. But then when you put the mask on, you're like, ah, shit, I can't see a thing. You know, and you I sort of... <laughs> I experienced the fine thing. That was the first time I wore one of those masks. And I was like, damn, the visibility is bad in this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. And that, that's like, that's a whole new dimension. Um, but I was fighting. So there's a guy that I trained, like, I, I've trained him since he was about uh, 14, um, Kian. And he's 20, I think he'll be 26 this year now. So that's how long I've known him and how long we've been sort of training together. And we were fighting out in the dark. Um, but what we did was we just come to the bind. So the, our swords crossed and, you know, we stayed in the bind and we fought in the bind and it was like pitch black. But because I know him and he knows me and we know each other quite well, we were actually having quite a decent fight in the dark. <laughs> Um, probably freaking out anybody who might have passed by, but you know. It's never a problem with weapons artists like practicing in pub. You're lucky you're in the countryside in London. If I went to a park with a bunch of like fake swords, yeah, police would be there. <laughs> like yeah. within, within 20 minutes, probably, but yeah. Because the, so. the kind of swords that you use as well, you've got the uh, the Shamshir and the, the Talwar. Is that the kind of sword that you generally yeah, use? Yeah, generally. There's a, each style basically prefers a specific type of sword, but generally you've got a Gaulia, which is it's like a Shamshir sword, but on a like a normal Toluar hill. Okay. Then you've got te, like cavalry swords, long sweeping <laughs> notion. You've got Tegaz, like mixed between the circular sword and the long sword. Then mm. you've got a uh, Shetis, like your Kukris and the rest of it. 
there's like there's a bunch of different weapons and they all work really well at certain angles and certain uh with certain tactics and certain mentalities even um and not so well at others so it's like the first weapon they give you is a, is a club and to make a club work in a combat you have to learn how to be tenacious you cannot be timid and try and like you have to be like no i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna like smack that weapon and break his hands and then smash it in his face and yeah. be done with it but the naval weapons are like the complete opposite you have to be quite careful about how you get in otherwise you know your weapon isn't going to protect you and your weapon doesn't have that stopping power to do the type of damage that a club can do and that's why i actually prefer clubs and axes and stuff because it's like you can do all your fancy stuff if i hit you with this hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have an effect. If you're wearing some sort of armor or something like that a lot of the sword stuff even in our art we talk quite a lot about how although swords are great because they're, they're versatile and you can threaten and you can use um uh you know your attitude with the weapon to like kind of like play with your opponent's mind a little bit uh in terms of actual killing most of the strikes would be done with a dagger because uh yeah swords weren't that great obviously at dealing with opponents close up and the general whole idea was you know use your weapon to get in once you're in punch them in the face with like a dagger or something like that and then keep moving and the idea is to push them out the way to create space to get in and among in and amongst ranks sorry and um yeah it's just it's just a really really weird way and then we have yeah. some dual styles which use dueling swords but then that's a different like that's a whole different you know game together the dueling yeah. swords because the you know i i generally typically associate the the kind of wickedly curved uh you know like saber like you know saber like or scimitar shaped blades to um you know shasta video uh yeah are the are the dueling swords curved as well or are they are they straight uh, there's a bunch of different ones um and obviously any sword really can be used for dueling it's just uh there's like one specific style now singer which takes like a really wide base and it's the idea is um if you're in a battlefield type scenario and you can't move a lot and you have to hold ground, you need as much space to move inside your footwork because you can't you can't really move around a lot and the floor's like, you know, muddy or whatever. So you have to take this stance and then it all becomes about positioning and whatnot. But the, the sword it used is like a slightly forward curving sword called like a kidditch. And uh, the idea is to kill someone in one hit. So when we say dueling, it's not like we're going to uh, fence type of thing. It's more like, it's doing the same thing but very slowly and like methodically like someone comes in and you have to move around them and get these big hits to finish them and then move on to the next guy type thing yeah so it's a, it's a bit kind of a slightly different uh sense of dueling but yeah dueling swords yeah if that i think <laughs> <clears throat> that, that, that's really interesting because the 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 weapon that you when you and i first met it was at fight camp skirmish uh 2019 um I think. and uh you were teaching um you were teaching the use of the club um yeah and it was really interesting because it's like yeah you're not just going to hit them in the head you got to work your way up to the head and it's kind of like we're going to start by breaking the forearm and then the elbow and then the you know and then the upper arm and then the head you got to earn that head you know? yeah. You'd be surprised how effective that stuff. I mean, I've sparred with a few guys like dueling sense, and I mean, I'm I'm pretty bad at dueling. I'll be honest. Like when it comes to like the standoff, like in and out stuff and scoring points, I'm not like that great at it. But when it comes to rushing someone 
and getting my timing right to shift off and then just start battering them. That idea of just smacking their weapon and working the way up the arm, it's really disorientating to a lot of people. Like they get their weapon here and they think, oh yeah, now we're going to come back. And now, as soon as that weapon goes down, it's your hand, it's your elbow, it's your form, it's anything that gets between me and you just gets smashed. And because it's a, a fairly lightweight club, mm. you can just like, you can just keep going and uh, just, you know, build up yeah. some momentum. There's, um, there's a martial art called KC um and you know it's a similar sort of principle it's um it's hand-to-hand -hand as far as i'm aware i don't know a great deal about it but i do know that it's basically you're you're fighting you you know and um you're kind of trying to get to your opponent's heart and you're doing mm -hmm. that through their limbs so if if you block something if you block an arm and you capture that arm then you're going to break every bone in that arm on the way up to the body um to you know to try and just immobilize your opponent as best you can um a decent tactic man. It took me by surprise when i um i wonder if i've got it if I wanted, I've got it. when we uh first done uh unarmed fighting uh the seats and obviously the uh the ancient like, rajput warriors and stuff fought with like metal bracelets so if you had your hands up like this yeah the first thing to go for is to break everything along your along your arms and it yeah, it really just changed my, uh, again, just changed my idea of fighting. I was like, man, I never thought of my forearms as a target. But it's like, if someone's got a machete, that's the first thing that's coming off if you, like, do something like that. And it was like, yeah, Dah. that's a rethink everything. Everything I've learned, I've got to change it up now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not arrogant, but at one point, but like I say, like, I knew a lot of Muay Thai fighters, a lot of boxers, and anyone that was, like, decent, not... Uh, you know, not a beginner, someone that's like an amateur, if you like. If you go into pretty much any other style, you'll hold your own quite comfortably, you know, like in the traditional sense, if you go to like Wing Chun or you know, some of the traditional martial arts, and you're seeing that more and more on the internet. But to f suddenly find out that all of this stuff doesn't make a difference when someone's got a knife or a machete or even something like a bracelet, like that's, yeah. you know, heavy, it's like, damn, like, I really have to rethink this. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's like a youth thing as well, like like uh, you know, like blue belt syndrome. You you know, you learn a bit to know that you know stuff, but then yeah. there's like that, you know, there's that threshold that you pass through where you're like, ah, oh, shit, like I don't know, like I don't know a goddamn thing, like you know, somebody adds another dimension, like you said, just environment, you know. Um, one of the things that I, you know, I had a mate um, growing up. And um, he was a bit of a hard knock, but uh, and you know he was a very good boxer, and he got into um, he got into a fight on the street once, and he just he tripped on the pavement because obviously you know in the ring not a problem, but he tripped on the pavement, he went down, and this guy was just on top of him, you know, yeah. um, and it was uh, I mean it, it didn't last too long. Like fights in the street are rubbish anyway. You know, you got like one person pulling another person's shirt off and they're just kind of like slapping each other and it's you know it's it's all a bit shit. But like um and that that's kind of what happened and you know a bouncer just kind of came over and he started nudging them with his foot and he's like guys you know get out of here you're embarrassing yourselves you know um I actually had this experience I uh, was in a I wasn't in a fight I think a fight kicked off with one of my friends and I went to try to stop it the guy sort of put his fists up and I immediately went to bounce and because I had shoes on the floor slightly slippery and moist because like moisture and whatnot drinks slipped glass went into my hand Ooh. so I had to like away that was the end of the fight like because everyone like kind of <laughs> pushed apart like like that 
me. I was like, damn, like my bouncing footwork doesn't work very well on like club floors. And then I thought probably wouldn't work that well on grass either if I wasn't wearing like studded shoes or whatever. Or, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a mind. But can I swear on this? This is like an adult. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear all you like. I, I swore <laughs> earlier when I was talking about like. Do you know what it is? I work in a. I work in like engineering on the railway and the swearing is terrible. So like yeah. if I go in, <laughs> I'll start swearing quite a lot. So I'm trying to talk. <laughs> Especially yeah. if I everything will start coming out. Yeah. But um, uh, it's, it's very interesting uh, thing when you start thinking about di- uh, environments and stuff like that. And Krav Maga, I've met a few Krav Maga guys and they're very much tactical, very much this is, uh, in fact, one of one of the stunt guys I worked with, funnily enough, was a um, Krav Maga teacher, and his understanding of fighting from a tactics perspective was just so on point. I was like, "Yes, this is what we need. Like, we need more fighting like this, where it's like tactics. Do you have forward momentum? Are you using the space properly? How many people are involved? Blah 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 blah." And I was like, "Yeah." When I was young, you watch all these films, you watch boxing, you watch Muay Thai, K1, and all that, and you think that's the pinnacle of fighting, yeah. and that's where it like now. Nah. That's not even the beginning. <laughs> like, yeah, it's barely the. And it's like in in terms of like conditioning, um, what you were talking about with your arms, you know, and and like people going for your arms and stuff, because um, again, like you know, I grew up watching you know Rocky and all that sort of stuff, and you know, it, it starts off and it's it's pretty much kind of like normal boxing rocky one is like normal boxing and then by the time it's like rocky four every punch they're throwing would kill a man um (laughs) so you know you kind of think that that's what like that's what you're going for i'm gonna hit him in the head i gotta knock him out you know this sort of stuff and um one of my first experiences of krav maga was i was uh fighting a guy um you know we were just sparring but he was huge like i'm i'm six four he was bigger than me wider than me he was just like a monster of a man um really nice uh but yeah he puts a he puts a kick in on my leg and uh i was like yeah come on man put a bit of mustard on it like you know like (laughs) so he goes oh okay so we we carry on sparring he puts a kick in it was like bam and he nearly took me off my feet and he he kicked me in the thigh like not the not the side of the feet or anything and i was just like i was like ah scrape a bit of mustard off actually like it was (laughs) so painful um i just thought to myself like i uh, and i limped home you know, I limped back to uh, uh, back to my uh, back to my flat where I was living at the time. I was in Bristol, and um, I was just like, "Holy shit, I'm in so much pain!" Like the you know, if he had done that again, because uh, he kind of laid off at that point, you know. But if he had yeah, done yeah. it again, I wouldn't be able to continue like continue the fight. Um, and it's I, I shared a video with my students because I was like I was talking about deep and shallow targets in HEMA, and I said, you know, even in hand to hand. Um, there's value to shallow targets uh, that you might not normally think. And it was this guy, um, it, it was a fight. I can't remember when it was, but it was um, a Muay Thai fellow versus a kickboxer. And it was an American called Rufus um, versus a Thai called Chad. I forget his name. Um, mm. I'm, I'm bad with names at the best of times. This guy's name. No, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. Even with like films that are like i can't always tell you the artists um this guy rufus he goes in and nails um his his name i've got it written down here it was a chan chan pike kits kitsungrit so yeah i was 
I, you might remember. I didn't stand a chance of remembering that. <laughs> so yeah, um, they're fighting, and uh, Rufus comes in and he knocks um, he knocks the tie guy down twice, uh, maybe even like three times, and he's really on the ropes. But this tie guy just keeps smashing this guy in the leg like over and over again. To uh, and towards yeah. the end, Rufus just can't stand his ground. He just keeps running away from him. Um, because yeah. his leg, you can tell he, you know, he's limping, he's not moving the same. Um, and the ref called it because he, like, the uh, the American just couldn't get back up, like, he just couldn't stand up anymore. Um, so yeah, stuff like that is a real eye opener, you know. That, that was partly why I left Muay Thai. It was when I took my first, like, uh, knee to the head, but like a proper guy grabbed me and went smack I blocked the first one then he pushed my hands out of the way and went bam where I was tired and I just didn't have the stamina to block it and the feeling was like nothing I've ever felt before like I was seeing stars it felt like my sinuses were like puffing up side and I recovered he was like oh you're right like we I don't even think he was going full pelt he must have been going like half power or something and I was just yeah. like I went home and I was like I can't do this full time this is not something I can continue no yeah. I think you have to be either the, you have to either have the genetics for it or you have to love it. Like you have to really love getting kicked in the head and stuff because <laughs> yeah, that's that people is do. You know, yeah, people, people do. People love that. You know, <laughs> um, I enjoy it to a degree, but when I start seeing stars like hours after, <laughs> I'm like being yeah. hit in the head. That's when I'm like, yeah, long term, I got to start thinking about something that's going to be good for me and my body, which kind of brings us back to the yoga and weapons and stuff in general, because like my teacher always says, you can't, you can't um, condition for weapons. No. no matter how strong you are, when someone's got, it makes zero difference. So it's better to work on being smarter than the guy or being, you know, more in tune with your body. Like we do some exercises where it's about, so normally in fighting, when you dodge, it's about like doing like your whole body like this or stepping side to side. Whereas when you do knife attacks, it's more about being able to like contort and, reduce the chance of it being like a deadly kill like someone's right in close you can hope that your defense is going to work but your first defense is you need to move out the way quickly and step into the side or trying to lean just takes too long so it's about learning how to like contort your body at these sort of weird angles to make it really difficult for them to get a clean hit and then you work from that point and uh so it's just another thing where i was like oh so people say fight inside the body and they usually mean like be here and do this this is like, no, we're talking about like different points on your body. Like they'll put a knife here, for example, and then you got to try and move and uh, they'll try and poke you. And not real knife, by the way, it's like a plastic knife or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you move sideways, immediately you feel like the jab in your chest. If you try and duck or move up or down, again, you feel it. But if you sort of feel where the exact point is and like uh, rotate your body around that point, it turns from a stab to like a glancing cut type of thing and then we add that um footwork and the rest of it when we're fighting at a distance in that you always assume that if someone's got a line it's going to go through and you have to make sure it doesn't hit with any real force uh, you know we don't mind getting hit because it's a it's a battlefield art and we're supposed to be wearing armor and things like that so we don't really the whole oh if i touched you it's the end of the fight it's usually something that stops me but um yeah, we always assume that if it does hit, it's, it's got to hit in a way that is going to reduce the impact or reduce the, the depth of the cut, at least, because otherwise it becomes uh, messy really quick, especially with knives. It's just like with knives, if you try and rely on your hand speed or anything like that, yeah, it's not working. 
your hands get cut to pieces and your body gets cut up and a lot of the sort of set ways of taking a knife out when someone's even a little bit skilled and they know how to be a bit tricky and have to like you know swipe your arms off and move that knife back and go over the top yeah it becomes a, a nightmare if you don't know how to sort of shift and shimmy with it type of thing yeah yeah i mean oh, nightmare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> slashing attacks it's something um again i was talking to about my students because i basically i put up a, um, a video for for my guys on our facebook page and uh, I took a, a skinning knife and I was like, this is, this is what a knife does to, and I had a steak um, and it was, you know, a steak that I had for new years, but like, I was like, I've got the steak. Let me just show you what a knife does to, to skin and, you know, uh, uh, not skin, but like flesh. Um, and uh, like, this is a kind of laceration. If the knife just does this and you place it against the meat, it's not going to do anything. There has to have like, you know, a draw to it. Um, there has to be pressure. There has to be like, you know, something, something's happening. Like you turn it into a thrust or something like that. And obviously if the edge alignment is off. And so we're just, you know, talking about these, um, uh, these different things. And um, yeah, I've like, knife fighting in uh, Krav Maga, you know doing that stuff doing that sort of stuff and then taking it to the hema um side of things because again like you there's like some you, you know there's that historical context and it's like well yeah. this isn't a slashing weapon this is purely uh, a stabbing weapon yeah. the um yeah. the kind of dagger that we use because of the the period um and it's like so certain defenses against this aren't going to work against a slashing weapon and uh yeah. i like i'm just saying to my guys like if if anybody ever ever produces a knife and says give me a wallet just throw your wallet at them right? yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know throw your wallet at them and run because like it's it's such a game changer um and it, it yeah it, we, that same day that we done the whole beginners thing he actually done the opposite so he went okay he said because people don't really respect weapons you were saying people think you know you get enough skill you can take out someone with a weapon. He was like, nah, it's not, it's not the case. <laughs> and he gave a beginner a knife. And then he said, okay, how many experienced martial artists do you think this guy will take out before one of us takes him down? This is after we've all seen how to like rush someone and grab them quickly. So we should really have a little bit of better chance than the beginners. All he told the beginner to do was to run around a little bit and wave the knife like crazy. And uh, he took out, I think, five of us before the last person managed to grab onto him. But the last person still got stabbed, but he still managed he managed to grab onto him. Yeah. But he said that's the difference between and and uh, skills or like whatever you like, whatever you want to call it. Because all of us had like ten years plus fighting experience, boxing, Muay Thai. Some of some guys done Chinese martial arts, but everyone there was pretty solid from my like, training and speaking with them. And yeah, a total beginner with no fighting experience, just took out five of them with nothing like no training. <laughs> so he was basically saying that, yeah, it, it's a game changer and you have to change your mentality when thinking about that type of stuff massively yeah. because this idea that strong or fast or skillful, it just doesn't hold up in the real world. And even if it did, you just don't know how, how skillful the other guy is. You yeah. might feel skillful and in your class amongst people you've been fighting for years, but when you get into a fight in the street and the guy is a foot taller than you, and massively built you can't think i'm going to be stronger and faster and more skillful than him because it doesn't work you have your approach has to be i need a strategy to take this guy down and if you have to think of it on your feet you can still do it but if you've got it all set out in front of you all the strategies you can say okay i know how i can go about it that gives me a little bit more confidence to do this type of thing that's uh yes yeah. and it's another one now taking the ability to think like that as well so that you're just kind of doing it 
you know, you're acting rather than thinking. That's that's quite yeah. interesting because one of the things that we explored in craft was uh, just get like what effect your adrenaline has on you. You know, when you when your sympathetic nervous system kicks in, and what that's going to do in an actual fight, like you know, outside of a dojo or a, or a boxing ring or something, when somebody's really giving it large, and you don't know what their background is, you don't know what kind of day they've had, you don't know what they've got in their belt. Um, you know, your adrenaline spikes, and your ability to think just goes out the window. So just that's having it that sort of training in in hand the ability to just go like one of the one of the most important lessons i ever learned was just take a deep breath right so your yeah. body's like oh i'm freaking out and you're like okay take a deep breath anchor yourself here for a minute you've actually got way more time than you think you do right so just like all right like, let's talk this out <laughs> yeah it's funny all, all, that, all that stuff it's not that you actively took the piss out of it when you was when, when I was doing at least doing like sports martial arts, but you just didn't take it that so you didn't think it was that important. And then you suddenly realize once you learn these breathing techniques and whatever it is, that it makes a huge difference, especially on the day when you say the adrenaline's pumping and whatnot. And with the strategies, what we do is we teach them in ways that um, you basically learn to develop an intuition. So you should know the minute someone takes a certain angle, your body should immediately start going into a form that's good at dealing with wide angles. If someone starts trying to come through your guard because you've trained this through grappling and whatnot, you should immediately start adopting a strategy that accounts for that. And it's like our teacher says, the beginning stage, you think like you think you plan and you get it done or whatever. Then you start planning while you're doing it. Like it's just kind of happening. Then you start doing it without planning. And then it's like the void where it's happening and you're not really aware of it but there is still a plan there it's just you're not thinking of it whilst you're doing it it just kind of happens but he always says you, you do need to start at that thinking stage though, because if you always start a fight thinking i'm gonna go in and like just uh, destroy the guy based on reflexes and you know memory or whatever there's a until you get skilled you know that can sort of let you down yeah. <laughs> massively because um obviously you need something to kind of, so if there's a fire in the building, what I say in class sometimes, like if there's a fire in this building now and you didn't know where the fire exit was, you'd be a lot more panicky if you thought, if someone spoke to you about it first. And it's almost like having that thing where you see a guy and just for a second, you remind yourself where the fire exit is so you know what to do. And then eventually that becomes, yeah, like you say, it becomes a second nature, if you like. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't like too much about second nature especially with beginners because they think oh yeah i'm just going to do this a hundred times and then on the day it's just going to happen it's like bruv that's not really what happens man <laughs> i've been in a lot of three altercations and stuff and when the nerves big guys <clears throat> do literally have to think like shit where's the exit how yeah. many people are there? <laughs> like, yeah whatever because uh, it gets it gets sticky yeah one of the things that they they did um when i was training uh to kind of like prepare you for the fact that somebody's going to get in your face and scream at you is that we actually did like uh, a few sessions where you'd be put against your sparring partner and your sparring partner would just scream and yell at you and like really give it large and um i remember there was a mate of mine like we 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 got on really well and um like uh i turned like i turned to him and i was just because you know it had to be it had to be real it had to be believable i was just like yeah. fuck you you bald prick right and he's like <laughs> oh, dude, you know i think it's just like i could see like you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like sure. really yeah, personal there man <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
That's funny. <laughs> you bald prick. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's funny because I was talking to uh, Keith Farrell, who's like big, big name in HEMA. And um, yeah. I love Keith. He's like, he's done uh, karate. Uh, he's done like a load of work for HEMA. You know, he's done like translation work and he's, he's you know, his classes everywhere. Um, but we were talking about like uh, uh, tournaments and I got not really a yellow card, but I got a warning because I was swearing, right? Uh, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I swear, like you have to like curse people. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually swearing at my opponent. I was, um, I was swearing at myself because uh, I did something stupid and I was like, oh, come on, Jordan, you dick, right? And um, yeah, I got like a, I, I got a warning for it. Um, and I was talking to uh, Keith about it, and I like I got like I kind of gleaned from his demeanor that he didn't quite approve of the swearing thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's maybe the karate background because um, I know that that's the thing. But like I, again, I think you know, um, I think as martial artist, it is something that you should explore. Uh, it is. Uh, and my, te my teacher done we done a, a seminar once where he was talking about it was all about mentality and going into war and all this type of stuff and the importance of like psyching yourself up and um one of the ways he described it and the first way he described it was like uh you know if, even if you are angry if i told you to go and break someone's arm and you didn't know them or cut their head off you wouldn't do it so you need to psych yourself up and there's like a whole process for doing that but i'm not gonna go into it but he said but the other element is understanding anger and uh, just like an actor, if you want to be angry on screen, you have to know how to get angry. And that is a, it's a legitimate requirement for acting because anger allows you to, to act without thinking, essentially. <laughs> it allows you to do it where normally you can be like a really nice guy, but if you can get yourself pissed off, you can do something that will save your life that you might not have if he was a bit timid about it or a bit worried about the guy's health or something. And uh, we had a yogi there and he was like, oh, this like yogic stuff about being peaceful and calm. He was like, nonsense. <laughs> like, he says, you find everything that pisses you off, you boil it up. And then when someone gets in your face, you let, <laughs> let it out. <laughs> and I was just like cracking up. But, it was like, but there is like a more serious uh, aspect. It's like anger is a, it's a required emotion. We don't have it for no reason. He said, if you saw a kid getting attacked in the street by a grown man or something and you didn't get angry, there's probably something wrong with you. Like you should, you should get pissed off about certain things. Yeah. It's just learning to control it and allow it to come out and then turn it off when you don't need it anymore, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's like, um, you know, like Carl Jung. Uh, you know, he talks about the shadow um, of the of the human psyche and, and that sort of stuff. And I think that one of the things that he's sort of discussing there is like, you know, if you if you don't acknowledge that you've got anger, if you don't acknowledge that there's like a darker side to you, then you'll never actually sort of like sit down and observe it. And then you can't define it. It's like an enemy that you don't know, like, you know, if you turn your back on an enemy, you don't know how many number, like how many people there are there. Yeah. Uh, you don't know what their capabilities are. But if you turn around and you go, okay, there's these three guys and they've got this, then you're better placed to be able to deal with it. So that yeah. when you get angry, you can actually go, all right, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to calm myself down here. Cause yeah. You know, there's no need for me to get angry right now. Yeah. Or, or need, but I just I don't want it to come out all at once. I want to make it yeah. come out when it makes. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to hit you first gently, and then when I know that yeah. I've got you in position, then I'll let the anger out. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
Oh, definitely. I mean, like we talk a lot about like non-duality and being in the gray area, uh, like from a warrior philosophy sort of concept where they say, uh, you know, warriors, although you're like peaceful or whatever, you're not supposed to want to fight and blah, blah, blah. You're not a saint. The idea is to be in between. You know when you're required to do things that aren't necessarily uh, good because we don't believe in like absolute good and absolute bad. It's just context. Like in a certain context, this makes sense to do. In a certain context, it doesn't. In some contexts, it has these repercussions. In other contexts, it doesn't. And it's that type of approach just to your mentality in general. Like one way I like to think about it is similar sort of concept. It's like if you're operating on incomplete information, if you've got like someone in your head trying to tell you something and you go, oh, look, fuck off, man. I'm trying to this shit down. That guy's just going to get pissed off and he's going to be like, bro, I'm trying to tell you some shit, like, listen to me. And eventually he's going to go off and, I don't know, do something stupid. And that's usually when people either make bad decisions or regret the decisions they've made because they didn't think about it properly. Whereas if you kind of let those emotions or let those thoughts go, like, get get going, go, you know, continue talking, keep going. And eventually he goes, well, what type of thing? He's like, if this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And you're like, okay, I hear that. And eventually he goes, okay. And he just sort of sits back and you're like, all right, now I've got all the information. I can make decisions. But the minute you start trying to block out emotions and ideas and thoughts and be this perfect, absolute, I don't know, saint or perfect, whatever it is in your head, it becomes difficult to like just manage your own thoughts because they build up and then you end up with like 10 people shouting at you and you don't know how to, how to converse with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, I, th- I think that's a really um, interesting point. And, um, because I know that one of the things that like I read, I read and reread over and over again is the Book of Five Rings um, oh, yeah. uh, by Miyamoto Musashi. And one of my like one of the things that he says is that, you know, we learn martial arts so that we don't have to use them. And that's like yeah. that, that's one of the things that I think is absolutely true, because, you know, if you if you have two people in a situation, um, you know, like in a pub on a night out, whatever, it's it's generally um you know the martial artists will just kind of like avoid those sort of situations as much as possible because they know they can handle it um if you know if if it comes to that they don't need to prove themselves they don't need that kind of like that issue um and so you know you've you've got that you you know you've got that freedom of of sort of self-definition Whereas somebody yeah. who's like got that pent up anger, doesn't know how to deal with it, hasn't been sparring, you know, twice a week or however long, like they they they're fucked off with their job or whatever. They get a little bit drunk, and then you know, and then it just kind of pops off. Um, yeah, because they don't understand self control as well, then they're going to go yeah. way too far over the line. It's like when you get two white belts sparring. And because yeah. one of them really understands control or anything, like you get like a white belt. Well, like- <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah. best. White belt, all their force, like no holding back while you're explaining something or something. And you're like, dude, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Showing you. <laughs> but um, no, that is, that's definitely a thing. I mean, one of the quotes I like, I don't even know where it's from. I think I just saw it on Facebook once. Whereas it was like, there's a difference between being peaceful and being harmless. And it was like uh, someone that's peaceful is like making an active choice. And like in Shastavili, they have this idea where they say you constantly, just the idea before you go to war and stuff is that you're supposed to think about death. You're supposed to think about horrible things. You're supposed to like think about all this stuff that you don't really want to think about because then you're going to be making choices about what you're doing, not just reacting or not just, uh, you know, being overwhelmed by emotions. And again, back to like the self-control thing. 
And it's like, when you talk about someone that's peaceful, it's not someone that's just doesn't think about fighting. It's someone that knows fighting inside out, knows what choices he can make about fighting and then chooses not to do them. And that's the difference kind of like between a warrior and just some guy that's like really angry and knows how to fight. So he gets angry and beats the shit out of people every now and then, like type yeah. of thing. Yeah, man. At least in a really, in like a really small nutshell. I'm sure my teacher would add like probably 10 pages on that and say I didn't really well. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, that, I think that's fine. Like, you, you know, um, and you're absolutely right. Like, so um, Brian, who is, uh, you know, my, like one of my mentors, one of, you know, a role model for me, he was one of my lecturers in university. And like growing up, I was really angry and like, you know, I was like, like kind of spoiling for a fight all the time. And um, he, I remember I was out with Brian and um, <clears throat> he's like, dude's a total badass. Like he's done Kung Fu, he's done like loads of different kind of martial arts. But, like, you know, and to give you, um, to give you an idea of how much of a badass he is, like we were aspiring at one point, like quite light. And I said, can you put that kick that like a roundhouse kick, can you do it? like full tilt at me because I want to see if I can block it properly right you know um so anyway he, he puts it in and I blocked it and I'm like yeah it didn't even connect with my body right just connected with my arm and like I rolled my arm so that like I just kind of redirected his energy and all of that all of that jazz and I just went yeah man and then my vision just shrank right I had like pinhole vision <laughs> all of a sudden, and I sort of stumbled back and like put my arm on a boiling hot radiator to steady myself and i was like ah shit you know <laughs> so it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah i was like holy you know um so this guy comes into a pub anyway and i'm sat there with brian and we're having a bit of back and forth and this guy like starts having a go at brian he's like um he's like come on man step outside with me step outside with me and um and brian's like nah you're okay and this guy goes um uh, you're a coward right and brian goes <laughs> yeah sure okay oh. Right, because he's got nothing to prove, um, and oh, I was yeah. laughing my ass off because I knew that Brian could have turned this guy into a pretzel if he'd wanted to, you know. Um, so I'm laughing away, and um, he sort of turns to me and goes, uh, "What about you then, laughing boy?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay." Um, and Brian just kind of like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." I was going to say that might have been my response. Anyway, Brian put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, don't, don't, because we want to come back to this pub, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then the guy, uh, the guy turns, turns back to us and goes, get the fuck out of my life, right? And I was like, ooh, that's, uh, that's more about your narrative than ours. Like, you're, like, we were just... You, you want to speak? Speak to us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we talked about it afterwards and Brian kind of opened my eyes to a few things. He was like, yeah, like the language that he was using, he was obviously not in a good place. So what, like what was going to happen? You were going to like, you know, you take him outside, you give him a thrashing or whatever. And then he goes home and what, like his life is shit. Um, yeah. like, you know, and that was kind of when I started exploring the other side of like, yeah, arts and stuff. Um, when I was younger, I had this similar issue. I used to have tantrums. I used to have full on like, you know, lose my temper. And I kept that like through part of school. I managed once, that's why I started fighting actually to try and control my anger. And I used to, um, yeah, I used to just completely, I remember one time I got into a fight. I didn't even want to fight the kid. I was at the community center in the area. This older kid came in and was like, yeah, I'm a tough guy, blah, blah, blah. I'll take on anyone in here type thing. And no one really wanted to fight, but someone was like, oh, I bet you couldn't take on the center. You'd knock you out. 
And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I was like, look, I don't want to fight you. I tried to walk away. And uh, the guy tried to hit me from behind or like mm. tap on me on the shoulder. And all I remember was blacking out and then sort of coming to everyone calming me down. And this guy had like a bloodied nose, lip, I'd scratched his face. I probably bitten him as well because I was one of those like wild kids. <laughs> like, if I... But then on the other end of that, when I did learn to like control my anger and stuff, um, it's almost like that offering out situation because I still kind of liked fighting at the point. I'd say, oh, yeah, come on, let's go. But because I'd done it in such a... I don't know, like a calm, not even condescending, but like towards that sort of thing where I'm just like, oh, come on, let's go, let's go outside. And I'll be like, put my drink down, come. And when you get outside, the guy's whole demeanor has changed because he's like, oh, like, you know, I kind of wanted to meet you at the same energy, at, at the same level. Yeah. Argue a real punch up. But because I'm like, let's do this, whatever. And I'm like, you ready type thing. Suddenly they're like, uh, you seem way too confident about this and way too calm. <laughs> like, they don't. I found that can also be. Uh, quite useful in terms of like getting used to yourself, getting used to anger, getting used to all that stuff in that you can, um, yeah, you can just approach things in different ways and make choices that that don't always uh, line up with the the absolute good way of handling things or whatever, however you want to call it. I also had another one that was similar when I didn't realize that people were trying to threaten me. And this was my fault. I was being a dickhead. I didn't realize I was driving in a car, but I was in Deptford and, you know, it's a bit of a hard I'm late for work, so I'm trying to go around this guy. And he's like in a BMW 6 Series or something. And then he suddenly pulled over. And my reflex was I thought something was in front of him. So I pulled behind him. Then four guys jumped out. Then I jumped out like, oh, what's going on? Thinking that, you know, something was in the road or whatever. And then because there's four of them and I'm in like a little Toyota or IQ and I'm like five foot seven, I'm tiny. <laughs> like, they were like, okay, shit, this guy's probably armed or something. They got back <laughs> in off. And then I got in my car and I was like, what just happened there? Like, and I was like, oh they thought i was trying to fight them. <laughs> like, but that response because you're so like just aloof about the whole thing it really yeah. does just because you're just very confident not confident even but just you know if you if you spot even if you don't have real fights if you spar quite a lot and you've been in a few confrontations and you've climatized to a little bit you think you know worst thing that happens obviously worst thing is you could get stabbed or killed but you just feel a little bit more comfortable and it's you're able to think a little bit more clearly and not get overwhelmed it's, Essentially, sorry. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> no, yes. I'm like, I'm I was watching um, like a documentary uh, and it's, you know, there's this guy who goes and lives out with, you know, um, different animals and, uh, you know, he's there in, um, in this environment where there's this gorilla just charging at him and he doesn't flinch. He's just kind of staring at the like, like staring at the floor, kind of doing his thing. Yeah. Doesn't flinch, and the gorilla sort of like just stops and backs off and charges again and stops. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and there's that whole hang on a minute. What do you know that I don't? You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, what piece of information is missing here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, like, I, I always think my students when they talk about self-defense scenarios and all that type of stuff. And it is a little bit different when you're. I mean, you're six foot four and you're you're like quite massive, so it's, it's different. I think for guys that look a bit bigger, but I was saying that because a lot of martial artists will talk about doing the, you know, fame weakness type thing. And in my experience, I've like, I've seen people do that and it doesn't always turn out well. Mm. Sometimes you put a tiny bit of doubt in the person's mind. You'll make them think, you know, even if there's a small chance, could I lose this fight or could he have a knife or could something happen that is not like in my plans and that more than anything more than all the like the skills and the posturing and all that type of stuff i find that more than anything has really helped me in situations where 
you just see their, their mentality. You just see their sort of demeanor change where they're looking at you and then they're kind of like, wait a minute, like, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> what's going on? Even when you do try, I remember one time I squared up with this guy, a stupid scenario. It was like, he tried to talk to my girl's cousin and um, my girl's like, she's told him to piss off because she's married or whatever. And he's got really angry as, you know, dickheads do. Yeah. And my girl said, oh, could you like, you know, clear him off type thing and I said oh come on let's let's walk over let's get a drink it's nothing like let's walk away and as I've tried to move him he's gonna like oh, don't touch me and then he's barged me like and he's like gone to square up and I've smiled and gone all right fuck it and as I've done that again is the demeanor change was instant <laughs> yeah. was like, <laughs> I was not expecting this calm sort of laughy response because I really didn't want to fight him I was just like trying to say look, look this is not worth it there's other girls in here Get you a drink or whatever, trying to like put my arm around his shoulder and just walk off with him. But then I touched him, he was like, Boom, boom, get off me, don't touch me, brother. Yeah, I was just like, all right, so do this, we do this, but like, you're gonna have to be very certain before you have me. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm gonna be very calm about how I'll, I'll take you out because, um, something yeah, about, like, if, you know, if you're getting angry and you're really angry and somebody just kind of like chuckles, you know, like, <laughs> like that, the, you know. If, that's got to make your anger, like, you know, fizzle out a little bit because you're just like, ah, shit. Like, nobody's yeah. taking me seriously. Like, my like we have a, there's another side of our, our art. Um, I forget the name, but it's, it's about talking, basically. So a lot of the principles that you can use in fighting, you can use in conversation. Hmm. And um, the main things in Shasta's video, we don't really block, we try to avoid blocking. Our main thing is to interrupt people. So um, a quick, the blocking thing is just, if I'm running at someone, and they can cover, I think, like at a normal jogging pace, you'll cover like two meters or a meter per point and something seconds or something like that. So by the time you reach the guy, if you if he blocks, he doesn't have much time after that to defend the next attack if the guy's running and if there are people behind him. So the better thing for him to do is to try and do a strike that makes me pause or makes me like stand back a touch. And then if we're both running, if I pause for even a split second, that is what gets me killed half the time. And we do like a lot of exercises to like show this where if like you do like a really threatening big hit, especially if you've got like a mace or something like that or a, a, a club, even if you meant with all your power to hit that guy, you can't help but flinch but pause. But when you're moving at speeds, that half a second pause or third quarter of a second pause is a meter worth of distance when someone's running. So it's like they're on top of you. But when you talk about uh, talking to people and disarming people verbally, he says it's basically doing that. He says you've got to try and interrupt their thought process. He says, like, one of the best ones is ask them a question. He'll be like, don't I know your mum? Or something like that. And straight away, if they were angry, it like, or don't I know, I'm your cousin or something like that. But he says, it can very quickly take someone out of their thought process. And while they're interrupted, you can either choose to obviously de-escalate or escalate, like, you know, punch them in the face. <laughs> but he said that, that whole idea of interrupting your opponent, is just massive. He said, that's, that is like the, um, sort of the crux of Shasta video in a nutshell. They say, you've got to basically, First, you learn how to interrupt the attack. Then you learn how to interrupt the attack earlier. Then you learn how to interrupt the intention. Then you learn how to interrupt the thought. So you basically set them up for something and interrupt it before they do it. And uh, one of the best ones is, uh, or the easiest ones, is you run at someone and just as you're about to get close enough to hit, you throw something at them. And they're completely like, what the fuck, <laughs> for a second? And then you charge in. And the Sikhs used to do this with the, you know, the chakrams or chakras, the disc things. They would run at them, and as they get just at that point where we're about to engage, they'd launch these these uh, spinning metal discs. And even if they don't kill them, which they could, the distraction completely throws you off when they charge in. And he'd done it with us with beanbags. And uh, he was charging at us by himself, and there's like four of us. 
throw a beanbag at people or like just like spray a, a bunch of stuff they completely sort of like do this for a second and in that time yeah like i say he's covering like a meter every point something seconds <laughs> like and he's completely on top of you and past you before you realize it and it's uh yes yeah, it's very it's very applicable to to that sort of confrontation sort of thing trying to interrupt the whole scenario to then de-escalate or escalate depending on what you need to do yeah because there are different parts of your brain as well that you're accessing when you fight yeah. so if you're getting them to almost like shift gear mentally uh yeah. one of the things um my one of my instructors said is that when he knows that it's gone too far and that he's gonna have to hit somebody um, because they're just not like, you know, if he's talking to them, he's like, look, man, calm down. I don't want to like whatever. And they're just not calming down. He's trying to deescalate it. And they're just really, they're ramping themselves up. He said, yeah, yeah. before I hit them, I might ask them a question like, what color is your car? Right. So they have to like, <laughs> they have to then think, uh, wait, what color? What? You know, first yeah. of all, why is he asking that question? Second of all, what color is my car? And then, like, he's like, and by the time that they're like, wait, I don't have a car, I've already hit them. And he's yeah. like, and then I'm on top of them and sort of do, you know. Like, old Kent, old Kent Road, kind of old Cockney-ish type of geezer. Um, but his favourite one was, how long you had that cut, mate? And they're like, what cut? That one, you fucking... <laughs> <laughs> like, That's fucking brilliant. i got to use that one day. <laughs> yeah. What? Damn, that one, you fucking... <laughs> but, um... <laughs> No, it's, that is a is a massive thing in all in all martial arts. Well, in all, I mean, we were talking about martial arts, but martial arts really, for me at least, is just an extreme version of like just the human experience. It's like you're taking all the things that you know you deal with in life. You deal with confrontation. You deal with your own emotions. You deal with like be having to plan and strategize, and you know just think about what you're doing. And we're just taking it to a very physical sort of uh, arena. So it's like everything that applies there is going to apply in so many different aspects of life that's yeah it's just it's a uh, good stuff good stuff yeah. <laughs> like i um i'm kind of not well you know it is a real you know real world uh scenario i guess i was walking down yeah. um, i was walking down the street in cardiff heading to work and uh it was pissing it down with rain and there's this bus coming double decker bus and i i looked at the driver and i kind of locked eyes on the driver and then i looked down at the road and there's this huge puddle Right. And I could see that the driver was swerving towards the puddle. Right. Um, and I thought, oh, here we go. Anyway, as he reaches the puddle, I sort of uh, I used uh, fencing footwork. I'm just pirouetted out of the way of the splash. Right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'm just kind of and I'm looking over my shoulder with this shit eating grin, looking at the people on the bus. Right. Because they saw it. They were all kind of like looking at me, dodging yeah, yeah. out of the way of this thing. And I walked straight into a lamppost. Right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, one of the, you know, like really cool moment followed by looking like a twat. So. But that's that is sword fighting in a in a nutshell, man. It's, it looks very cool, but a lot of the time you look like a twat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Um, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, where can people find you? So you can find me specifically on Instagram at Asante Hunter. That's A-S-A-N-T-E-H-U-N-T-E-R. And that's, um, I've got, got a few tutorials on there and a few things for people trying to get into the art. But there's also an international Facebook page. That's uh, Shasta, facebook.com forward slash Shasta Video. S-H-A-S-T-A-R-V-I-D-I-Y-A. And then there's my local class page, though. The lockdown is um, you know, pretty much all of that up now. And that's Shasta 
Brixton. So, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, dude. If you'd like to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com or shoot us over a message at info at academyofsteel.com. You can find us on YouTube, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.